Hi, my name's Ben Smith. Over the course of my adult life, I've become obsessed with the industry of interactive entertainment. Video games. The video game industry has ballooned to massive proportions, bringing with it all the controversy and criticism any entertainment sector has. So come and join me and some of my friends as we explore and examine some of the strange and wonderful stories surrounding this sector. Sometimes we'll look at a specific game franchise, other weeks on a more broader theme, but always discussing my favourite hobby. Welcome to Extra Life. And welcome to episode 5 and the final episode of this season of Extra Life. This week we're talking to my better half, Samantha Sandilands, about all of the board games that we've been playing while social distancing has been a thing. We'll be talking about how these board games have been converted into video games, what the differences are between the board games and the video game versions, and what our favourite ones are that we've been playing while in lockdown. As always, we will start our episode out with the news and finish up seeing where our guest ranks on our virtual leaderboard in high score. Welcome to Socialization, Social Distance Style. And welcome to our fifth and final episode. And for today, we are talking all about board games online and how they have helped in this era of social distancing. And to talk me through all of the board games, good or bad, is my better half coming live from our living room. It is Sam Sandiland. Sam, how are you today? Hello, I am very good, thank you. Excellent. So uh, just give a brief, a brief overview about why you're here and why you're talking about, uh, about board games with me. So... Before I've kind of got into video games, I was more into the board game side of it. I really enjoy playing a huge range of different board games with different people. And obviously, since coronavirus, we've not really been able to do that as much. So um, moving the hobby to online has been quite a, an interesting thing to do and a good way of being able to keep playing those games. That's perfect. Excellent. So that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. But before we get on to our big issue, we like to do on this show, uh, looking at the gaming news this week. So uh, you're going to help me out with this, yeah? Of course. Absolutely. So today, our big uh, news uh, is that uh, the developers of Crash Bandicoot 4 have announced that there will be no microtransactions in their game Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Uh, they've said that they absolutely detest microtransactions. Uh, absolutely detest microtransactions that's easy for me to say and uh that there won't be any additional purchases with their game crash bandicoot 4 sam how are you feeling super excited i mean crash bandicoot for me was one of the earliest video games i ever played um we owned all three of them on the ps1 all three of the original ones on the ps1 um and when the when the news broke that they were releasing a fourth one, there was lots of high pitched squealing and lots of excitement, and I literally cannot wait to play it. It's going to be great. Yep, absolutely. Can first hand confirm that that's what happened. Um, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, so yeah, um, if if you're going to talk about Crash Bandicoot as a kind of franchise, what are your kind of like fondest memories from Crash Bandicoot? Um. <laughs> 
Well, there's lots of them. Lots of them involve throwing the controller, <laughs> as many of us do, I'm sure. But one of my, I used to play it quite a lot with my sister, and she was so much better at it than me. Hi, Nikki. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and she used to, because I was quite, quite bad at it. She used to give me a rule that she, so she would work her way up so that she had the 99 lives, like the maximum amount of lives. And she would hand me the controller and say, you're allowed to go down to 80, but once you reach 80, you're not allowed to lose any more lives. Um, and that was, that was kind of a thing. And I also still don't like doing the bosses and she had to do all the bosses for me as well. But um, so many good memories of playing it with her when we were younger. Does it feel weird that we're now getting uh, a fourth one when we've had like 17 other titles beforehand? I'm not quite sure how to feel about this because obviously the original trilogy is like near and dear to my heart and and, and your heart as well. Um, but there's been so many games that, that do they not count now? And what does what does it mean? I guess I guess to me it makes sense in terms of the fact that they've gone one two three and then the, this is the fourth one in that story. Um, I know there was there was a PlayStation two one as well, um, and I don't know it was just never quite as as good as the original three was it and then you've obviously got the racing games which are more of a standalone sort of game because they're not really part of that story arc so i don't know i never got into the others as much as i did the original trilogy and i'm wondering whether that's the same for so many other people which is why they've just gone straight to number four rather than trying to include all the ones in between that weren't part of the numbering system anyway um that's yeah the the, the racing one I like, but I'm just not good at it. So <laughs> that's that I much prefer the <clears throat> the platform style of gaming than I do the racing, more competitive ones. So for me, it fits very nicely into the into the, like the post trilogy world um, without having to have played all the other ones as well. That's fair, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, yeah, uh, the, uh, there was definitely one on the PlayStation Two that I bought, um, and one on the Wii. I think I had one on the Wii as well, actually, that I never yeah. really got into. Yeah, so, uh, like, the, the Wii one was weird because it used all of the motion controls <laughs> of the Wii. So, we, yeah, it was very good. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it used all the motion controls of the Wii, which, like, that's not Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> it's not. Crash Bandicoot is jabbing all of the buttons and then throwing the control in. You can't really do that if it's motion controlled. Exactly. Exactly. Perfect. Um, right, so our next news item today is that uh, it could uh, possibly be that the Xbox Series X price has been leaked. Um, this is from a very um, well-trusted source in uh, games journalism who has said that uh, Microsoft are planning on releasing the, uh, the Xbox Series X for £400 with the uh, Xbox Series S, which is the old digital version, at £200. Um, the reason why it's going to be so low and so cheap is because uh, Microsoft uh, are going to actually sell at a loss for their first fiscal year um, to uh, get a bigger share of uh, the game's market. And then uh, once they do, then um, obviously they'll, uh, you know... Um, ramp up prices i assume uh but uh talk to me about this then so we, did, how do you feel about this yeah i mean i think it's a, a really interesting strategy i don't actually think they're going to ramp up the prices because the, a, such a huge part of the cost will be in what's already happened in the r d the research and all of the paying the staff what have already happened so by taking the loss in the first year that covers that but then if they just keep selling it at that price, it will eventually level itself out and they'll start making profit on it. So I don't think they'll actually have to increase the price. 
I think the 400-ish price mark is it, I don't think it was really a surprise to anyone because there was quite a lot of rumours surrounding this that it was going to attempt to be cheaper than, um, than the PlayStation 5 anyway. The biggest shock to me is the price difference between the full version and the digital version because having it half the price is such a massive difference and I actually prefer the look of the digital one okay. but I would never buy the digital one because I think you lose out on you're very locked in then to only buy in from the Xbox store whereas you can't just walk down to CEX and pick up a game a bit cheaper than the, your second hand or anything like that um, when, when quite often those prices are quite significantly cheaper so um, I don't know, I think it, it, it might level out, but I mean, on the whole, I think it would be better to, ha- be, to have access to that disk drive. And also that means you can then play DVDs. If anyone still owns DVDs, we've got a f- one shelf full, but that we mostly ignore. Yeah, all about the Blu-rays. <laughs> um. Um, but you can still play those in there as well, if this is anything like that that you want to play. So it just gives that extra little bit of flexibility, I think. But I think putting the price down to half is a huge thing because it opens up the market actually to a whole new segment of players who might not be able to afford to go straight into a four five hundred pound console it actually says okay come in come in and join the community we'll offer you a console at a much cheaper price but that means that you can still get involved which i think is really good yeah absolutely so it's um i find the depreciation of these kind of things quite interesting so um as you know in 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 in, in gaming um depreciation is just it's crazy um to the point where if something's a year old it'll depreciate in value by about 50% uh, if it's a game uh, about 20% if it's a console um, so you're talking about about going in at a loss for, uh, for your first fiscal year uh, and 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 selling your console um, cheaper than what would be needed to get uh, to gain a profit um, but then that that console is going to keep deteriorate um, uh, depreciating um, until it's not it's worth like a hundred maybe two hundred um pounds so do you do you get that profit back from okay well m- many more people have bought our console now so now with the games that we're going to sell um that's how we're going to get the profit back and we're going to you know um we're going to we're going to make make that loss better um is that how you get the profit back or or do you get the profit back by literally saying okay well we're selling because we're selling lower then lots more people are going to buy our consoles and then that's how we're going to make a profit um it's it's an interesting discussion um the digital version ah see okay so i i really i hate digital versions of consoles i hate them because you are then locked in to buying from the specific store so if it's a a a ps4 um it's the the playstation digital store if it's a um, xbox think uh, there's a digital version of the of the of the um of the one um then you have to buy from the microsoft store and it annoys me because while there's not much difference on on day one of a release uh there is a lot of difference on like you know year one or year two so for example i was looking at buying the witcher 3 um a few years ago uh it was 10 pounds uh in a shop like cex or game uh that's gamestop for you american people um uh and so yeah 10 pounds uh it was gonna cost me uh it cost me 50 pounds on the microsoft store because it was a digital version, like ridiculous. Why? I'd rather pay the up, up, uh, up front more 
uh, and then you know get cheaper games in the future and and save my money that way and also um with the disk drive it does mean that it's backwards compatible the series s will not be backwards compatible um which means that if you do, you know um, if you can't afford Series X um, games straight away, which I'm sure not many people will be able to, uh, you've got an, an entire library of Xbox One games that you can enjoy while you've got um, the console. And with the disk drive, you can just plug them, um, put them into the disk drive, and, uh, and make them work. So yeah, it's it's it, it, it's an interesting one. Um, I think it's a good strategy from Microsoft because um, historically, PlayStation have been much stronger in console launches. Um, I think the PS4 uh, sold like more than half uh, than that, that the uh, Xbox One did. Um, so it's it, it's a good strategy, and we'll see um, if it plays out. I guess. Yeah, and I, this is a really good point about the games as well, because the more people that <clears throat> make that initial outlay to buy the console, then have to buy the games as well. So they they'll definitely gather some of the loss back that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. So um, our third little bit of uh, news this uh, week is that uh, it's another Microsoft uh, news. Uh, they've been coming out with a lot of um, news this week. Uh, so uh, this is news that uh, Microsoft has apparently scheduled their July event for the last week of July. And it's not just going to be a one-off event like PlayStation and, uh, and, and Xbox have done in the past. It's going to be an entire week of game reveals and trailers and come and buy our console please and uh, I, I you know i don't even I don't, I don't even know what to think about this if i'm being like an entire week of just it, it, i think basically what they're trying to do is e3 um and just be like get excited i'm gonna wake up and and see a load of games have been announced and stuff like that and i, I don't know like do they have the kind of games do they have the kind of longevity to kind of spend an entire week doing this? Um, what do you think? Like, it's an interesting approach, isn't it? Because what are they going to fill an entire week with? But I'm guessing nearer the time we'll hear a bit more about what's actually going to be involved in the week and more of a, a schedule. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what they do. But I was equally surprised when I saw they were doing a full a full week event, given that they've already released what the console looks like, like some of the accessories that are going to go with it. And yeah, if they just bought like every single game studio, or are they yeah, so okay, <laughs> what's going to happen here? But then yeah, I mean, what I mean, that's you sorted for the week, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely, it is. I'm going to be watching nonstop. It's my um, birthday as well. You better have that. Day <laughs> Um, so, from what's been announced, so we know that, that another Forza is going to happen. Um, that's going to be a, a launch title. Um, we know that Fable 4 is probably going to be announced, which makes me very excited. Not least of all because it's been developed down the road from me uh, in, in Leamington Spa in England. Uh, Playground Games uh, are doing uh, Fable 4. Um, so, that makes me excited. Um what else so we know that they're gonna there's gonna be some third party like reveals like assassin's creed is gonna get like more of a spotlight valhalla um we know that um the halo is gonna be the big one for the whole thing like they're probably just gonna do a full day on halo probably and just like here's a 24-hour live stream play of halo um whatever um yeah i was just gonna say i wonder whether they'll do a lot of gameplay footage sort of 
marathons where they just play play through some of the games in in like the different modes, like yeah. different play modes. I mean, my, my issue is is that nobody asked for this, right? It, it, it's either it's one extreme <laughs> or the other from Microsoft. So it's either it's either. So in in to, uh, to, um, to give you a bit of context, in June they had a um, an event which was let's see the first gameplay footage from the Xbox Series X and was like, oh this is exciting, oh this is good. No gameplay footage whatsoever. <laughs> it was just trailers. That was that was literally it. Um, so it's either they go down that route and then everybody kicked off and said, oh, they, what, what are you doing? What are you playing at? So now they've gone in the complete opposite. They were like, okay, well, if you want gameplay, we're going to give you a whole week of gameplay. How's that? 24 like, seven for a full week. It's yeah. just like, nobody asked for that. <laughs> just do one event with gameplay. That's all anybody wants. Cause they didn't even take part, did they? In the summer games fest that. All well, of the other big developers and and Sony. Well, so so it, it it's coming under this umbrella of Summer Games Fest. So the the June event did like that was all advertised by, but it, the Summer Games Fest is a bit weird anyway because it's it's kind of like it, it comes under the, that umbrella, but then it's like everyone's kind of doing their own thing and and everything. So, but yeah, it's um seemed like it was all very focused around a, like a two three week period though, and now Microsoft have just gone. Well, a whole month later, we're just going to do a whole week of events on our own. It was very weird that they didn't do anything in June, yeah. Um, especially seeing as PlayStation literally revealed their console in June, and they was like, yeah, no, we're just going to wait. Um, at the moment, it's a bit of a kind of... Um, it's a game of who who shits first um, at the moment. So it's kind of like Xbox released the Series X and showed us what it looked like, and then, and then PlayStation were like, okay, well, we're going to release it now, but we're going to do it after you, but we're not going to tell you the price because we're waiting for you to do the price. And then Xbox in July will release the price, and then in August PlayStation will be like, "Well, our, our console costs this much." And then it's, it's a shitting competition. It's a massive basically. game of chicken, isn't it? Yeah, a game of absolutely. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, Nintendo's there just being like, "Switch." <laughs> Do you still want this? Or? Switch. <laughs> We're having fun. Switch. <laughs> Pie. Um, so yeah, um, it's uh, yeah. Wow. Um, our next uh, news um, from this week is and this is going to make you. I literally read this 15 minutes ago, uh, and it made me laugh my ass off. Um, the, in uh, so um, DC are doing uh, their own kind of um, event uh, in August, um, where they're going to uh, show off what Rocksteady has been working on. Which is very exciting. Rocksteady, of course, the uh, developers of the uh, Arkham, the Batman Arkham franchise, what their new game is going to look like. Rumours are it could be another Batman family game. Other rumours suggest that it could be a Justice League game where you get to play as all the members of the Justice League. It's exciting. We're all excited. However, the news the news to come out of today is that apparently Ben Affleck has signed on to be Batman again. <laughs> um, but why? So... <laughs> <laughs> no, no one wants that <laughs> it's just it's marvelous so so the robert patterson movie is still going to go ahead right but ben affleck is going to play a different batman on hbo <laughs> right because Zack snyder's now gone to hbo and so Zack snyder's brought ben affleck to do it di- so but the, the 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 suggestion is is that this is all canon right this is all in the same like universe so now we've got two batmen uh, we've got Robert Patterson Batman and we've got Ben Affleck Batman. Basically, is that the plural? Do we think Batman, ba- Batman, 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 Batman? I like Batman, <laughs> Batman. That's it now from now on. Batman. I like that. Um, so yeah. So the the idea is that I'm okay with this 
if what happens is that they do Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, which like if you're gonna do it, basically like because you've got the Avengers and Marvel doing their thing, and it's all good, and like you know they obviously broke the box, and they did comic book movies how you're supposed to do them, stuff like that. The only thing that DC can do now, really, basically, is to just go batshit insane. Just, just do insane things. So what I want to see is I want to see Crisis on on Infinite Earths. I want to see, you know, like in, in Endgame with the portals and everyone's coming through the portals. No. What I want is portals happening and I want Ben Affleck Batman coming through. I want George Clooney Batman coming through. <laughs> I want Val Kilmer there. I want fucking Adam West for shits and giggles, right? And then on the other side, you've got all the Supermen coming through. You've got Christopher Reeves. You've got Brandon Ruth. And then you've got like in the middle, you know, you've got like Jared Leto Joker. But then also you've got Joaquin Phoenix Joker. <laughs> Add some CGI Heath Ledger Joker in there as well. Just do, like, all of the versions of all of the characters from the past, like, 30 years. All, like, teaming up to fight each other. It'd be fucking incredible. It'd like, be so, so, so ridiculous, but kind of hilarious. It'd be it amazing. Be like Batman versus Superman Ultimate. Yeah, like, so, like, the whole point of Crisis on, Inter- on, on Infinite Earths is that it's it's like the multiverse thing basically so so there's like earth one has got a batman but then earth two's got a batman earth and then in in this storyline they all basically come together to fight um oh they two fight um i can't remember the name anyway um but um yeah so if you're gonna do that then just just have a hark back to like literally every single Batman, and it, I, oh God, I, 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 I'd just be sat there. Everybody else would just be like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> and I'd just be there, like, "This is." <laughs> I'm so happy right now. And then make that into a game where you can choose which which one you play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the Arkham games want, are good. Do you want to be Batman? One, two, three, four, five. Six. Well, so this was the good thing with Arkham was the fact that they gave you skins for free. So you could like they gave you like Batman the Batman Begins skin, and then they gave you um, the uh, Adam West Batman skin, and it, so like you could go around and do that. But um, yeah, like yeah, like just do Crisis on Infinite Earths, but make it into a video game and make it open world and. <laughs> Just go, just go crazy. Just right? accidentally fall through a load of portals and then wonder where you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Am I on Earth 1? Am I on Earth 2? Who the fuck knows? Um, yeah. Um, so either Crisis on, on Infinite Earths or Flashpoint would be cool because Flashpoint is, of course, the Flash story uh, where um, uh, the Flash runs around the Earth so fast that he actually ends up creating a parallel dimension where everything is different this is like yeah if you think avengers was batshit insane wait till you read some of the dc stories because they're just inc- they're incredible <laughs> it's just like what the fuck is going on they could also go down the route of making like a dark creepy horror game out of something like killing joke well yeah so this is good knowledge as well um this is if they did killing joke then it would have to be like dark and, and weird and and and, and cool be a bit of a different genre for them i guess yeah absolutely uh, but yeah basically rocksteady i want i want to know what you're doing i've already said this in an episode as well but i'm just gonna you know reiterate this tell me your secrets <laughs> just keep on saying it until uh, someone gives you a ring tell me rocksteady tell me your secrets now i want to know what you're doing um that's about it, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Um, have we got any more news? It's very difficult because it's been a bit... Uh, apart from Microsoft basically saying that they're going to uh, own the entire month of July, um, there's there's not been much much news uh, come out this week. Uh, I'm trying to think if we've got any uh, other... Oh, yes. Uh, Liverpool's, uh, um, uh, um, Liverpool are champions of England, and that's okay. That's fine. Woo! 
Um, that's more than fine. Nothing to do with uh, video games, but that's why uh, episode four was so late to come out because I was very drunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> fine, cool. So uh, yeah, that's our news section. Um, excellent. So what we're going to do is we're going to segue nice and neatly into our big issue of the day, which is socialization, social distancing style. It's a hobby that's almost as old as civilization itself. A bunch of friends spending time socializing together when eventually somebody suggests playing a game together. Thus, the invention of the board game. Since early party favorite charades and Monopoly to more modern, complicated games such as Catan and Ticket to Ride, the board game industry is as profitable as it has ever been. But over the past few years, many board game companies have decided to turn their games into online versions, which are either faithful recreations of the originals or something completely different. And in this era of social distancing, it's proved extremely popular, with 3 out of 10 of the most bought games on Steam being recreations of beloved board games. Today then, we ask the question whether board games are better as an online entity, and what our favourite examples of online board games are. Let's get into the big issue. So I'm interested to get your thoughts on this then, Sam. So obviously with board games, um, it's a fun kind of thing to do with people. Um, with the kind of current situation that we're in at the moment, um, how, how have you found it playing board games with, with other people online? So I've been doing a bit of a mixture. So we, it's a group of our friends that have got really into playing a couple of board games online over lockdown which has been a really nice way to keep in touch and um you know be able to still still do things together um but then a lot of them have also been starting to play on my own as well so it's a it's been quite a nice way of learning new games but also being able to play the ones that that we really like but then through that I've been able to introduce some of our friends to some of the other games that we've perhaps not played or we don't have in physical format so um yeah it's been good i mean different games have their different challenges but then um it's also a really nice easy way to access the games as well and actually sometimes it speeds up the process and makes the process of playing the game much easier because it sort of leads you through the game and what what you need to do next and and things like that so that's been that's been a good a good thing and it's been a really nice way of being able to get lots of different people involved at different at different stages as well for example um we've been playing a lot of ticket to ride over lockdown um and some of us have a lot more of the maps than others because you buy each map individually um so yeah there's a there's like a core group of us really who have got all of them and then different people have got different ones so it's been nice to mix it up a bit with different people as well. Yeah, so I, I, um, I was going to come to this. So obviously one of the main kind of draws of uh, a board game is the fact that you've got the physical board in front of you and then you've got all the pieces and you can kind of like touch them and, and, and kind of, you know, place them where you want to and you can make it nice and neat. Whenever, this is a side note, by the way, but you'll, you'll know this, whenever we play Ticket to Ride, uh, the, the 
physical version of tickets arrived, the first thing that I do always is to take the trains out of the bag and line them up nice and neatly on my side of the uh, on the board. Um, Mine are just in a messy pile at the other side, and it kills him. Yeah, just I'm, I'm, I'm neurotic like that. But anyway, <laughs> um, so so yeah, so you've got like the physical thing, and then even with like um, you know other kind of tabletop games like uh, pen and paper RPGs like um, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff you've got the physical dice there which you can roll um, does it take anything away from the game that that's all on a screen that you don't get to kind of you know do that in real life it does yeah I mean I love it when you buy a new board game and you get to open it and you get all the get to get all the pieces out and see what see what everything looks like and there's definitely something really satisfying about that but then it's also really unsatisfying when uh, someone tries to lean over and all the pieces go everywhere or someone spills their drink all over it or there's crumbs everywhere so i, th- I think it's it's pros and cons it's definitely I, I i love having the physical game i think it's a lot it's a lot better it's also more sociable because you sat opposite from someone and um you often talk along at the same time whereas what we've been doing online is very much more just focused on the game um we've been you know sometimes we have a phone call at the same time so we can chat and and things like that but for the most part it's very much it's a bit it's it's less social than playing it in person and that's one of the main reasons i like playing board games because it's a really fun sociable thing to do with people but you can also play so many different types of games within that whether it's like a, a proper strategy game or um a, a more light-hearted party game like there's so, there's so many different ones um and yeah that, that's one of the main reasons i like it but and yeah and some some board games have such beautiful pieces that it's so good to be able to see them um, in person, all the, the craft that, that's gone into creating some of the pieces not not so much the trains and tickets to ride, but certainly some of the, the bigger games um, have some really, really nice minis and models in them that it's definitely much more satisfying to play them on an actual board. So have you ever played any of um, the online board games that you can get? Have you ever played any with um, strangers online? I actually haven't um so it's something that just doesn't appeal to you. That's you know, sort. Of, I don't know. I just yeah, it's something I'd like to do, but it's yeah something I've not done done yet. But yeah, I'm not really sure why actually because I don't see that it would be that much different. But you never know what people's ways of playing different games are. So for example, so let's go back to Ticket to Ride for instance. You can play that game quite easily by, um, you can block people, and that's a much simpler way of of winning because you can just block other people, and then they can't complete their tickets. And it's it, but with but with our group, we tend to not really do that as much. It's not a core part of the game, and we play it a lot more fairly. So I feel like if I then launch myself in to a game with strangers, you don't know what kind of rules they're playing and takes a takes a bit to get used to it although saying that the one game that i have played online with strangers is patchwork which is a two-player game 
really again a really pretty game and one that's a lot nicer in in person with all the nice little quilt pieces you have to make a quilt um and if you've got holes in it then you get less points or if you can make a make a full square then you get extra bonus points and things um and i found it good but i did find that people like it's hard to get people who just want to sit there and play it like sometimes it's 24 hours before that person has their go and then you log in and have your go and then you wait 24 hours for them to have their go so it can be a lot more stop start whereas playing with a group of our friends we know that everyone's at the computer and we're all going to play at the same time and it's more like an actual board game experience i'm not really interested in playing an extended version of Catan that lasts four weeks yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> and that, 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 that kind of reminds me a lot of when I used to play chess online. Um, and it used to be very much the same kind of thing of I'm going to go You used now. to play chess online. I used to play chess online. Why is that so hard to believe? You things every day, don't you? Why, why is that so hard to believe? I don't even know you could play chess. <laughs> that, that's mean. <laughs> um, yeah, it, um, it used to be a thing. I used to play with my stepdad. Um, and uh, it, it, it used to be uh, a thing where it was like, okay, I'm going to go now. Uh, and then a day later, it was like, oh, they've gone there. So I'm going to go and do that. And and like with chess, it's not it's not so bad because um, obviously chess is a very patient game anyway. Um, so it's not it's one of those things with that, that you do when you get home, you know, you kind of you know, put the tea on. And you make yourself a drink, and you check your emails, and then you check if anyone's made a move in chess, and then <laughs> you make your you make your move, and then kind of log off. No one apart from you. Ever. <laughs> so this is there's a massive community for this. There's a massive um, website called GameNot um, uh, hosts loads of chess um, things. Um, anyway, uh, chess is actually on my list of games that I have downloaded but have not yet played and it's actually called chess ultra and i'm super excited about the ultra thing absolutely definitely playing chess when this is finished <laughs> um so uh, yeah so yeah I, I can i can definitely get where you're coming from from that um chess pieces are beautiful as well actually in real life you can get some really really nice boards and you really can yeah yeah i feel like that's that that's that's the kind of level that, that you go from being like lower class to like middle class when you've got like a fully <laughs> Like, like a glass stopped. chess set. Yeah, like a glass chess set. That's when you can go, yeah, I've got money. Like, <laughs> look at me. And then you have kids and the glass goes everywhere and you just forget that you've ever we, had it. So we, this is another kind of story. Um, we had a glass chess set. Um, I say had. Um, because, well, right. So what happened is basically my dad, um, who you'll remember from the simulator episode, uh, yes, the same man who would spend eight hours on a flight simulator going from LA to uh, to uh, London. Uh, in that, real time. In real time, that same man. Um, he he was like, he was kind of obsessed with this whole kind of like, oh yeah, I'm going to make the house kind of like look really nice and neat and stuff like that, as you would. Um, and as I understand now, uh, as a, as a, uh, as a grown-up, uh, so he was like, well, we need some decoration. What kind of decoration can we get? And so online, he saw that they were selling a glass chess set. So he bought it, right? Um, so this glass, and it was it was a really beautiful set. Like it had like a glass board. Um, the squares, like for the white squares, they were like frosted out. Uh, so they, uh, they were like white. And then, and then um, the, so you had like the clear kind of glass pieces for the blacks and then for the whites, it was uh, like the frosted glass effect. And it was really cool. Um 
and it looked really nice and you know we became middle class for about like a week um until uh one day um i banged into the into the i can't even remember how it happened i just remember that i, I banged into the table uh and um <laughs> all of the pieces <laughs> went everywhere and more than one smashed all over the the floor and uh, my dad bless him tried his best to, t- to kind of put them back together but it yeah Still, so, still just as bad at crashing into things these days. Yeah, it absolutely. Really surprise me. Um, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I can kind of, I, you know, I can, I can get that. I can understand that. Um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting point that you've made because um, patchwork. Can, can you get patchwork as a actual board game, or is that just? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah. patchwork is it's it's a two player game. Um, yeah, where you each have to make a quilt, but you get all the little quilt pieces in the in the game and. You obviously get to see them, and they're all really nicely patterned, and you get to choose which ones you you put on your quilt and things. But and in the game, the virtual version of the game, you still get all of that. They're all still very nicely patterned, but it feels a bit less tangible because it's a set of pixels on a on a screen, really. And it's nice, but and it helps you through the game a lot more. It's a lot quicker to play on play virtually because you have to take pieces out and and the like the queue of quilt pieces moves along much simpler on the virtual platform than it does in real life where you have to do it manually and you have to remember what you have to do at every step um but it but it works and yeah it is it is nicer when you've got the box and all the pieces but it does work that's one of the games that actually does work really well virtually um functions really well it's just a really nice game to play it's so it, it it does really interest me because um there's there's a long history of this um of video games and board games um at least you know physical board games kind of crossing over sometimes it's just um, a, a simple kind of um, online version of the game so games like uh, ticket to ride and Catan, um risk as well uh, it, it, it's just the, the exact same you know game but it's just a physical version of it um but you know there's also this history of um board games and video games crossing over um with each other where it's a completely different game um in the physical world that it is in the virtual world so a good example of that is surviving mars um which is terraforming mars that one i always get confused with surviving mars and terraforming mars terraforming mars which is it's a completely different game um from from what it is on um uh on a console or a pc um than what it is in the physical world because obviously you've got like all of the game pieces and all the all the rules and stuff like that um another um example that i've got uh is uh frostpunk uh which is now being made into a board game uh which is going to be um the similar kind of idea um 4x um strategy game however it's going to be a bit different because there's stuff that you can do in a virtual sense that you can't do in a physical sense um it it kind of interests me um how 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 these kind of different games kind of work um civilization is another um um example as well Uh, have you come across any games which are which are completely different uh in 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 the physical world to what they are in the virtual world I think the kinds of ones I've been playing are mostly just adaptations of the physical board version. 
and I quite like that about them because I like the way that board games work. I like the all the different dynamics that you can play as part of a, of a board game. I think if it was just a different game, it's almost not a board game adaptation anymore. It's just a standalone game that's not really related to the to the board game. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of that. Um, yeah, and it, well, there's a game called Armello, which is an ad which is an adaptation of a board game. But that one, so it's a lot more of a. Um, the way that they've done it is it's not like you're playing on a board it's just like you're playing a video game like so like something like um can't think of an example but um a bit like for the king sort of thing like there's hexagons that you move around to and it's it almost feels like you're playing a game like that rather than an adaptation of a video of a board game to the point where i actually had to double check that before um bef before i came on this because i didn't realize it it ever actually was a board game but it plays similar dynamics so that it's turn-based and you've got four different characters that that move around but the difference there is you play all four characters which obviously in a board game isn't really the the norm although there are some that you can play one player on but yeah it, it was i think that's like a a, a fairly good example of that where it's a, a different adaptation of a board of a board game but still similar principles mm, yeah exactly yeah uh, i know that there's i i've so i i've not uh, I'll, I'll preface this by saying that i've not actually checked out this uh, game uh, but i've heard about it um, and uh, a couple of my friends have got it um i know that xcom uh, was turned into a board game um and i know that it's completely different to the game because you can't really do turn-based combat in a board game like, it's, it's very difficult to do because there's no ai um and you would have to be against people so I know that that game's quite difficult, uh, quite different from how it is um, on a computer or a PC. Um, and yeah, um, so for you, that means that they're not really kind of, it's not like playing a board game. It's kind of, you know. Yeah, it just feels like it's two separate games, really. Yeah, like separate. what you were just saying about Frostpunk. We've talked, I know we've talked about this um, and you've kind of spoken to me about what the board game's going to be and it doesn't sound like it's going to be frostpunk in a board game it's going to be a frostpunk frostpunk themed board game i think that's similar to things like um the game of thrones board game and there's a lot there's obviously a game of thrones uh, video game as well and and it, yeah it's a bit it's like it's on the same theme but it's not actually just an adaptation of a game it's it's a different game but well, and i imagine that's the same with the xcom one because it'll be set in the xcom world with the same aliens the same team and, and all the same kind of structures but it's a different story set in the same world yeah of. so the the game of thrones thing kind of makes me laugh more than anything <laughs> because um telltale uh, developed uh, a game of thrones um the telltale series um again very much uh, a telltale game so the choices that you make within the game affect where the story goes and stuff like that the perfect game of thrones game exists it's called the king's dilemma and it's a legacy board game right because that's 
that's what it should be. You know, you you have a like again. I've, I've not played the King's Dilemma, but this, uh, but this is what I've, I've read and heard. Uh, you play as a house who's vying for the throne, and the choices that you make within your house dictate uh, dictate what kind of outcome you get. And then the more kind of generations go on, then the more kind of you know intrigue and rules kind of get set up and stuff like that until the point where you get like multiple endings at the end, depending on the kind of choices that you made. That's the perfect Game of Thrones board game. Why try and make anything different, you know? I think you could say that with a lot, like, talking about legacy games, they actually lend themselves really well to being made into video games on a, that are more linear. Yeah. Rather than, so with, obviously, a lot of the board games, you play them for an hour or two hours or whatever. And and you've done you've played that game it's over when you start again you create a new game like you would with a board game you get it out the box it's a new game but legacy board games actually have a story and they have a more of a linear pathway that actually lends itself quite well to video games and i don't know to be honest the extent to which that's been recreated in video games but i'd be interested definitely be interested to see how that would work yeah so i mean you know like legacy games are basically for those of you who don't know, might, you need to do a bit of background on this. Um, a legacy board game uh, is basically described as an RPG in a box. Um, we played one uh, last night, actually, um, called... Betrayal. Betrayal. Uh, Betrayal Legacy, that's it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it's a massive box and it costs like £100 and it's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and uh, basically what happens is you get like a lot of things, like you get a character and you get to kind of customise your character. Not like how they look, but how, uh, like their name and their age and, you know, and then you get to choose, like in, in the one that we were playing, you get to choose what their family's called. Um, and you get to choose uh, the kind of lineage of that family and stuff like that. It, 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 it basically does play like an RPG. And then depending on, on the choices that you make, depends on what rules go where. Um, and you've got the game rule book and that's constantly evolving uh, because um, you have to stick in new rules depending on how far you get in the story and stuff like that. It's really engaging. and re like the, 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 They are some of the best board games that I've, 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 I've played. Um, definitely. Um, but... So, I, I agree when you say that they are like video games. However, that genre of video game already exists in RPGs, um, and 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 that kind of you know way of doing it. It would be nice to see something like Betrayal Legacy, um, like because the thing about Betrayal Legacy is that you're in this haunted house, and then the more like generations come through this haunted house the more that you explore the actual house and and find out what's going on uh, and with the board game you do that with tiles but it, it would be really cool to do that with just like, walking around and exploring a house. yeah in like a game and then it's like okay well this is your family um and then this guy dies so then we go to the next generation of your family which is this um and then they explore a bit further maybe it's with like items and stuff like that like oh you know couldn't find a key to get into this room uh, 20 years ago but now the key's been found so now i can go into this and then you can uncover more of the port and stuff like that it would be really cool to do something like that i think definitely and if you think about some of the other legacy games like we were told yesterday about pandemic legacy which is supposed to be a really good two-player legacy game but it's so obviously pandemic is normally a cooperative board game where you have to um there's four illnesses that you have to try and um, el el eliminate, essentially, as a team. I believe the legacy version would have like a story behind it. So 
you play it on multiple different occasions. It's a really long game, so I think it's like some of them come back or they take on different characteristics and things. So you then have to do more research and t and take them out again. So, but then I think that could actually be adapted really well into a um, a video game. Pandemic itself makes quite a good video game. Um, but to then make that into more of a a linear video game where you, where you do spend a lot more hours on it, it might I think that would actually work quite well. It gives you a reason to come back to the game as a as a group and as the same group. So if you had four friends that were all playing it, I think I think Pandemic's a two play one actually. But um, I don't know you can play it with more, but um, it gives you a reason to come back together and um, and continue playing that playing that game I guess in a different way than shall we have another game of Catan shall we have another game of Ticket to Ride you're playing the same game and it's exciting yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah. I mean Pandemic is, um, is definitely very apt in uh, the world that we're living in at the moment um, okay you have got a list for me haven't you of games that you've been playing and games that you've not wanted that, uh, that you've not played but you want to play so give me a, a rundown uh, the board distancing. It's a ride have been the main ones that we've, that I've played with friends. We've also started playing one called Potion Explosion, which it doesn't adapt quite as well because it's quite a, a slower pace of game. So when it's not your go, there's nothing you can do because there's no planning that you can do for your next move because the board, the board in, in uh, quotation marks is is evolving so much on every single person's go that you can't really plan anything at all so you end up just kind of sitting there whereas with something like Ticket to Ride or Catan you can be looking at the board trying to work out where you'd go next what resources you might need what which tickets you might be able to complete or whatever so we're not quite as taken with that one as we were with the others but um, still been good to try it out um Carcasson. A few of us downloaded that, but there's also a couple of us that have Macs, and Carcasson is not yet available on the Mac through Steam. So, uh, so uh, Carcasson developers, if you're listening to this, <laughs> develop it for Mac. <laughs> um, and then, so they're the main ones I've really been playing with, with other people online. But then, there's also been a few that I've started to play on my own sort of against the AI. Um, Terraforming Mars was actually the first board game that I played by myself online. I, well, probably the, yeah, the, the first board game adaptation at all that I ever played. Um, and I just instantly found it really, really engaging in a way that when, I don't know, I think me and Ben are quite different in this regard in that when he loads up a game, he wants to look into the ether of 300 hours of gameplay. Whereas I I really liked that it was a good hour or two of, of game, but you did but you achieved something by the end of it. You either won or you lost and there was a, a set point where it ended. And it and the dynamic of it is what probably brought me to the point where I now own like twenty virtual board games. Yeah, I think I think four X games really do lend themselves quite well to um uh, board game adaptations or vice versa board games into 4x kind of strategy games uh, yeah and yeah definitely I mean 
I, yeah, I found I found it a really engaging game to play and also much easier that the game did a lot of it for you. I think that really does work well with that kind of huge game where you where there's normally a lot of rules and you have to remember to reduce the oxygen, increase this and the game does it and depending on what you do it's it in a way makes that process of playing the game a little bit easier with a game like that I think. Um, another game I've been playing is called Dream Home which it, it sounds really really girly but actually the in principle it's a really good game like it's quite strategic you um, you're a prop you're working for a property developer and the client says I want a home that includes this this and this but at its heart it's a card game so you're using cards to fill in the rooms in the house and if you make a bigger bedroom it's worth a bit more if you know, if you get a, a bathroom a bedroom and a kitchen in the house then you get extra points for having all through the main rooms or something like that um if you have a bathroom on both floors it makes it it's 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 essentially it's increasing the vol the value of the house if you have a bigger kitchen or a bigger bedroom or a two bathrooms or whatever but that's it's not really mentioned it's a card game really and i've been trying to get my friends to download it my old friends to download it and they just won't because they're just like no it sounds sound shit i'm not playing that well if you do want a kind of you know an episode looking in to the misogyny and the uh you know how girls aren't you know allowed um to have you know opinions on video games and stuff like that episode two of extra life where we look at that kind of stuff with sam keller uh why don't you delve into some of the games that you've downloaded but you've not yet tried yet yeah i mean that list is actually even longer than that one which which is great risk i actually downloaded on day one of lockdown and i've not yet I've not actually yet played it, despite that being one of the board games that we actually play a lot as a group. So I'm gonna, I'm so I've got Risk on my phone, okay. <laughs> so and the reason is is because with the job that I do, um, a lot there's a lot of time that you spend not doing anything, um, or waiting for stuff to happen. Um, so I I download a lot of games onto my phone uh, to, to kind of pass the time and you know kind of wait until until i'm needed again um and risk was one of those which i was like, oh yeah excellent i can play risk and it'll be fun um the phone version i don't know what the what the pc version is like the phone version is a piece of shit um <laughs> because and this is another thing um with a lot of these board game adaptations with the, with the phone version of risk you get the classic map which is the world for free so you can you know, play that. Any other maps that you would want, you have to pay more for. Um, like, and it's not cheap either. Like, I think every map's like a fiver. Um, <laughs> I'm just... What the fuck? Like... <laughs> and I think, yeah, I mean, it's the same with um, Ticket to Ride, actually. Like, you get a few of the base maps and then you have to buy more of them. But the thing with Ticket to Ride is every game has... So has its own individual quirks so most of the maps that we've got have a have some sort of additional rule so one of them introduces a stock exchange sort of um dynamic to it and one of them you can use stations to, cl to claim part routes or um you can there's you can enter new countries and things like that and so it, ma it makes it a bit more worth it to do that and also the maps are about two pounds each for for a new one 
Um, something like Risk, I mean, yeah, they do do different adaptations of them or a different map or a different... And, they, and it does it definitely adds a new element. I mean, we've played Standard Risk, but we've also played Walking Dead Risk and Doctor Who? No. Star Wars. Star got, Wars. Which, <laughs> which isn't Risk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean... And yeah, they there's a difference and some of them try to add different elements to it but at its core it's just it's a game of risk so to then charge like five pounds or something for a new map it seems it seems like it's not really as much worth doing oh so there's more there's 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 more egregious shit that goes on with that game um I'm interested to see if that's the same with the Steam version. So am I, because on on the mobile version, you've also got like a set amount of coins, right? So and, and you get these coins every single day, right? And uh, it's something like you get like twenty coins every day, or or something. I can't, um, I can't remember. Uh, to create a game, so just to play the game, you have to spend twenty coins to create the game, right? So that means that you you've got a limit of how many games you can play in a day. Because if you want to play like like two or three games, um, you might run out of coins. And if you want to play more games, then don't worry because you can buy more coins oh, can, from yeah. the store. Um, and then if you buy more coins from the store for like fucking £10, then you get to play more. Like, egregious! Hasbro, sort it the fuck out. <laughs> I like Risk. I like playing. I even like, I even like playing Risk, the, the mobile version, on my own with like AI. It's fun. I guess the difference is, was that game free when you downloaded it? Yeah, of course it was. So Risk on this, on Steam is free to download. It's the same with Catan and a couple of others, but then you have to pay to buy the buy the actual game no. once you get in it, which is fine. Like I, I don't mind paying paying for the game. Um, I wonder whether that's then a different method of funding it well, on Steam. I think it must be different. Like that mustn't be the case. Yeah, and I'm you know I'm totally fine paying like a. T- or even like something that I know that I'm going to play. Like, I don't mind doing that. I spend £50 on video games. I don't mind spending £20 on something that I know that I'm going to play and stuff like that. I would rather that than have to like sink hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of pounds into fucking microtransactions because Hasbro's too greedy for its own good. Um, but anyway, that's enough on me <laughs> getting angry about microtransactions. Move I, on from Risk, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Um, give me one more. Uh, one more. Um, one of the one that I've been wanting to play for a while is Scythe. Is that how you pronounce Scythe? Um, I always say Scythe and it really winds him up. Um, <laughs> but I think that's one of those games, similar, similarly to Terraforming Mars, and it's quite a big game. And to be honest, I, like, some of some of my friends are into different kind of genres of board games and things like that, but our the core group that I play a lot with, I just don't think they'd be into it, which is why I've not really played it much, but or at all actually. Um, but yeah, one that I've been intrigued by for a long time, definitely. So I did want to touch on just really briefly, um, pen and paper games uh, online, uh, because we're kind of hardcore D and Ders. Um, and we love playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons uh, to the point where we've got like three or four groups on the go at the moment. 
Um, and obviously with this whole lockdown business that's happened, uh, we've had to find a new way of um, playing Dungeons & Dragons, which doesn't involve seeing people. Um, now, there's some great apps out there that kind of recreate the experience of playing Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, we use an app called Roll20, um, which um, once you've kind of got to terms with how it works, it's actually yeah, quite easy to kind of um, use. Um and it, it, it does mean as well that, you know, because everybody's uh, looking at the same thing on their screen, you can put maps and stuff like that on there. You can have a look at your character sheets. You can, um, as, as a dungeon master, I actually kind of prefer it to actually doing it in the physical sense of, of dungeon mastering in, in the real world. Because there's so much stuff that you've got to kind of keep a track in the real world. Whereas on Roll20, it's all just kind of there. And if somebody needs... That, uh, that somebody needs to see you can just put it into their inventory and it's really easy to do um as a as a player of pen and paper games how have you found online versions of them um so yeah and in, in a way it's better i mean to be able to see the maps up close and have have a real look at what what's going on and where doors might be and where different things might be is much easier on roll 20 because you can you know you can still use the fog of war thing so it's not like you just see the whole map but you can see the bits that you're intended to see but you can have a really good look at where everyone is and where um where you might want to go i think for me it takes a huge element away from it when you're not with a group of people um because there's again I'm, I'm just quite a social person so i like all of the social things that go around around it so there's a lot more chat just general chat but also chat about what you're going to do in the game and where it's going and oh like coming up with different theories like oh i wonder if that's to do with this or maybe this is related to this and you can still do that on roll 20 but it's sometimes you can't really talk over each other on the things on the platform so and if you do it kind of it just it, it just cuts people off and things so i might have said something but if someone else started talking at the same time it cuts out so then we've not really it's i think it's a lot harder to get that dynamic going of the of being able to chat about strategies and things but in person you can even just talk to one other character and say well, what you know what what do you think about this or why you know shall we do this or or whatever but it sort of takes that away but it does add a lot of more of the visual component i i think which um which is good and also you know with bits of paper saying oh what what am i adding to this role or or what's my in flicking through all the bits of paper to try and find out what your what your stats are yeah um, i mean it does I it for you I, I, I think that's my big thing about playing online is the fact that when, especially as, as, as a dungeon master, um, when you've got somebody who says, can I do this? You've got, then you've got like a massive stack of papers and you're like, yeah, let me just check. And then you've got to flick and it takes you about five minutes to find the actual. And then if there's a rule that somebody's asked you about, you go, oh, yeah, I'll go and check. And then you've got to flick through the player's handbook or the Dungeon Master's Guide to see if you can do stuff like that. Um, and like keeping track of all that can be a bit of a nightmare, especially when you're playing on a table that's not that big um, and you, you, you don't have a lot of space to put everything. Uh, so it, 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 for me, it's, it's nicer when I'm running games and stuff. 
um, because um, everything's kept online, so it's not it's not difficult to kind of keep track of everything. That being said, I have heard from some friends that they've tried to play an online Dungeons and Dragons with strangers, um, as same as as happens in 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 the real. I rock up to a to a session, you kind of sit down with a lot of people you don't know, and then you make friends through the course of the session, all that kind of stuff. Apparently, it's absolute fucking chaos. Uh, with people that you don't know, uh, because everyone's just talking over each other. People are kind of, you know, don't know what they're doing. People are getting annoyed and stuff like that. So I think it's one of those things where, as 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 a substitute, it works, um, and it, it it works quite well. However, um, it's not the same. Yeah, it's not the same. It's playing the physical version is is probably the same for other kind of pen and paper stuff like Arkham Horror. Um, not Arkham Horror, not Arkham Horror, Call of Cthulhu. Arkham Horror is the board game, um, and uh, Pathfinder and stuff like that. I'm sure, I'm sure it's exactly the same. Um, I also really love rolling dice. Like there, there's a physical <laughs> thing about rolling yeah. dice. Like there's something much more exciting about it when you get to like get the dice and shake them and roll them and see what comes up. Whereas if you're just pre- pressing a button and seeing what number, it's this, I, it's completely different. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like if you're in a battle and it's like this is last chance saloon, need to kill this thing now. If I don't, someone's going down. Like so, I need to get a sixteen or a higher. And so you hold you hold the die and, and and you've got that moment where you go, you don't fuck me. Do do not fuck me on this. <laughs> Um, and then you throw it and then if it's, you know, if you succeed, then woo, everyone kind of cheers. If you don't, then everyone's like, oh no, what's going to happen? Um, and you're just looking at the dice, looking at the dungeon master, like, what are you going to do to me? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a, there's a physical element of rolling the dice that makes it more exciting. Yeah. I, I do definitely, um, agree with that. Rolling online. Um, it's not, it's just not the same level. Do, do, like, especially like, so the, there's a chat window in roll, in roll 20 where you can put in like, uh, backspace roll 3d6 and then you, you type it in and then it just comes up with a with the random number. number and it's, it's like, just not, it's not as exciting yeah definitely get that so um in your opinion then um a virtual version of Ooh, that's a good question um um i think more maybe like party game type things i know so we've got jackbox which we've got on the xbox and and we've got it on the um computer now which is usually more of an in-person game although not really a board game in the same sense it's like you know, but you you're normally all in the same room you join with your phone um but really i guess the more ca- games for the more casual gamer i would say um Things like, I mean, I would love to see something like Seven Wonders Jewel or Seven Wonders Good on it. Um, we're also big fans of Azul, which would be a good one to, to see on it as well. Um, so, but I have just downloaded Sagrada, which is going to be quite, which is quite similar to Azul in some ways. So that's so ex- I'm excited to start playing that. I do believe that Seven Wonders exists as a mobile game at the moment. I don't know if it leave your answers in the comments i don't know if seven wonders exists as an actual steam game i'm gonna check check that out yeah we're gonna segue nice and neatly into the time that all gamers fear the time that all gamers get apprehensive and nervous about yes that is right it is time for our final of this season high score 
And joining me today is Sam, who's going to be being quizzed on all things board game and video game adaptations of board games. How are you feeling? Terrified of what you're going to ask me. <laughs> so this is the final ever high score of this season. So that means that you know what you need to beat and who you need to beat. And you are looking to beat the humble gamer Chris Goldthorne, who came on on episode three, and he got a rather mediocrely impressive five out of ten. So, if you can get more than five today, you will top our leaderboard. Okay, Ooh. it's time to play high score. So, question one: Name the company that owns online board game giants Risk and Monopoly. Hasbro. Correct. Hasbro is correct. Uh, Question two. What is the Steam application called where you can play multiple tabletop games? Tabletop Simulator. Tabletop Simulator is correct. You are starting very, very strongly here. Strong start, yeah. It's quite Um, a few of them, but Tabletop Simulator is the main. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Question three. What is the game where you manage resources to build cities, towns, and roads? Catan. Catan is correct. Very good. Uh, question four. And what is the name of the game where you build train lines across the country? <laughs> Ticket to ride. Ticket to ride. <laughs> Excellent. Um, this is brilliant. Four questions right so far. You are acing this. Um, okay. Uh, questions get a little bit harder from now oh on. Oh, God. Just as I was getting, uh, getting comfortable. Question five. If you wanted to play D&D online... What is the application to do that called? Roll 20. Roll 20 is correct. You are now tied for first place. Uh, question six. What is the game played in Life in, in Life is Strange 2, episode 2? Oh, it's the one where they've got the paper and the... Oh, what's it called? I can picture it. They're in that little house in the middle of nowhere. Nope, it's gone. Uh, It is Ships and Sailors. (laughs) Pretty much uh, describes itself. (laughs) Yeah, it it does. (laughs) It's going to have a fancy name. Question seven. Name the three games that you can play in Red Dead Redemption 2. I was going to say Gwent, but that's The Witcher. (laughs) Um, Dominoes. That is one, yep. So blackjack. Mm-hmm. And said so the knife one in, 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 between the between the fingers, which is called. <laughs> oh gosh! Every um, single time I said it, you laughed. Fingers. <laughs> Stubby fingers. I don't know. Uh, there is a bonus point on offer here for an, another game that you can play. Because there's uh, four games. Poker? Poker is correct. You move up into the lead with six points. Ooh, what was the, what was the stubby f- Five finger fillet. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer stubby fingers. I think we should change it to that. <laughs> <laughs> um... Question eight: Name two board games that have been uh, that have become popular 4x strategy games. Um, Terraforming Mars. 
and I was playing one the other day that you like what we were talking about. Um is Silophorex? Mm, no. Uh, I can't accept that, I am afraid. Oh, um no. there's a there's there's a there's, there's a lot of Sorry? There's loads as well, isn't there? There is. There's a lot. So, uh, Civilization. Oh, God. Uh, you could have had. <laughs> uh, yep, Frostpunk um, is a 4X strategy game. Not come out yet, but it is uh, being turned into a, um, a uh, board game, so I would have accepted that. There's loads. Yeah. I'm not going to go through the whole list. Um, Put but me on the spot. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> question nine. What is the board game genre known as an RPG in a box? Legacy. Legacy board games are yet known as RPGs in the box. Fantastic. And question 10. Finally, see if I can go for the almost perfect. Now, this uh, this comes with a caveat. So, question 10. Uh, I'm looking for um, the answer based on sales um, of mobile games. Okay? Because Steam don't do their own sales. Okay. <laughs> so, I couldn't find the, uh, the answer. Um, answers in the comments, please. Um, what is the highest selling online board game? In mobile game format. In mobile game format. Um, Monopoly. Monopoly. Monopoly is what I'm going with, yeah. Final answer. Locking it in. Locking it in, not phoning a friend. Not going to ask Jeremy Clarkson. Chris Tarrant, come on now. But he's the... Ask the host wasn't a thing then, was it? Yeah, that's true, actually, yeah. Um, okay. That is incorrect. Damn it. Um, <laughs> the answer is Seven Wonders. Oh, is it? It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, Seven Wonders, highest uh, grossing uh, uh, board game, whatever you want to call it. Anyway, you can really leave with your head held high because it's taken the final episode of our podcast, but Chris Goldthorne has indeed been beaten. You top our leaderboard with Seven points Yay! out of 10 thrilled so happy with that yep absolutely nailed it you, mostly you can leave um, our front room today with your head <laughs> held high <laughs> we've got a budget don't worry um <laughs> excellent sam it's been wonderful to talk to you about all things board games if anybody does want to check out any of your your stuff uh let's throw some soap um, uh, Twitter, Sam2407, probably the best way. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, uh, yeah, uh, it's been great to talk to you um, about you all of this stuff. And uh, yeah, I will see you soon. I'm looking at you right now, but um. I will see you soon. <laughs> it's normally how I end these things. And now it's, you know. <laughs> Sorry, I've ruined it. Say it again. I really won't say anything. Okay, right. Okay. I'll see you soon. See you soon. <laughs> And so there you have it, uh, board games, whether online or in person, a great thing and something that me, myself and Sam will enjoy for many, many years to come. My thanks as ever to my guest this week, Samantha Sandilands, and to the music creators for one final time who have allowed us to use their work free of charge. Links to their work is in the description below. That is it for this season of Extra Life. I hope you've enjoyed listening to all of the episodes. If you haven't listened to all of them, make sure to go back and listen to any previous ones you might have missed. And do stay tuned to this space as we will be getting work very, very soon on season two of 
extra life. We're not going away just yet. Until then, though, my name one final time has been Ben Smith. Thank you for listening to Extra Life, and I will see you sooner rather than later. Take care.